Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message so with Pastor Travis Turner. Series, but in week number one, we've been looking at Jesus. You know, Jesus went out and, and he was baptized and and he was led out into the wilderness to be tempted and tried by the devil. Um, and, and in week number one, we talked about how, you know, the devil tested him and tested his appetite. He was hungry. He said, listen, if you are God, if you are the son of God, then go ahead and turn these stones into bread. And, um, and so we have, a, we have a test of overcoming our appetite, what we want when we want it. If you miss week number one, go back and check it out. I ain't got time to re-preach it. Week number two, we talked about insecurity and there's a test of insecurity. This was last week we spoke about this. If you didn't watch last week, go back and check it out. But the idea is this, that you can never walk in God's best if you're always trying to please people. And a lot of the times when you become a people pleaser, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with insecurity. You're dealing with people wanting, you know, needing to accept you, to support you. And, uh, and how many of you know that sometimes God calls us, come on, to walk certain places alone and there's not going to be much support other than, other than the support that we get from him, which is all that we need. Amen. Let me get a better amen there. Amen. It's all that we really, it's all that we really need. Some of you are like, I don't know about that, man. I don't know. And today we're going to be talking about an interesting topic. Just understand this right out of the gate. We're not glorifying the enemy. I want you to realize this, that the enemy was created. He's a created being. And you know who he is created by? He was created by Jesus. All things that have been created have been created by him. And so... You need, to, you need to understand that, that sometimes in our minds, um, sometimes in our minds we see that the devil is on one side and Jesus is on the other side and, and they're equally as powerful and, and we're in between and we're being pulled back and forth. Let me just tell you full on that whenever it comes to God and Satan, there is no comparison. Satan, little itty bitty, liar, thief, cheater, stealer, God, amazing, incredible, all powerful, all knowing. Amen. I need you to remember that throughout the message today. All right, Matthew 4, chapter 4 and verse 1. We've read this every single week. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit for one reason, and that one reason was to be tempted by the devil. And I want to just say this, that just because you're in the middle of trauma, just because you're in the middle of drama, just because you're in the middle of trouble, does not necessarily mean that you're outside of God's will. Now, some people live in drama, and they're always in drama, and if you were a part of our men's breakfast yesterday, I hit this a little bit more. Like, like, um, like some people are always down. And I would say that if you're always down, you're probably not in God's will. Like if something's always wrong and, and the glass is, is, is not just half empty, it's bone dry all the time. Like you need a different perspective. 
because you are more than a conqueror. But I will tell you this, that just because you're in the midst of drama and trouble and trauma, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're outside of God's will because we see Jesus in this place. Skip down to Matthew chapter four and verse eight. It says this again, because it's happened a couple other times already. It says again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. I don't know what it is with, with the devil in high places, but he likes to, to take Jesus to these high places. And he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this, Satan said to Jesus, I will give you if you do one thing, if you will just simply bow down and worship me. And Jesus responded, he said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and began to attend to him and minister to him. So once again, Lord, we thank you for your word that is true and powerful. And I ask you, Lord, that through your word over these next few moments, God, that you change our hearts and you really, really raise our awareness of how it is that the devil may attack us in the same way that Jesus was attacked. God, we know that we are more than conquerors, that we are victorious in you, that the spirit of God in the life of the believer and the power of the word in the hands of a believer, a follower of Jesus is more powerful than anything that the devil can throw against us. I thank you, Lord, for this time. We ask that you're, you would give us help over these next few moments in Jesus' name. Amen. So my question and the title of the message today is, what will it take? What will it take? I also want to ask another question. Why is it that the devil feels like he's got authorization? You know what I mean? Like if your mind was a social media platform, why does the devil feel like he has authorization to comment whenever, however, you know what I mean? Whatever he wants to comment, right? Why does he feel like he has authorization to stand and accuse us? Why is it that he feels like he has authorization to remind us of our, of our shortcomings and our sins? Why is it that he feels like he can plant doubt in our minds and he can, and he can rob from us our dreams and our futures? Like, why is it that whenever we become born again believers, amen, when we repent of our sins and, and we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, why isn't it that Jesus just says, listen, devil, you can't mess with him any longer. Listen, devil, you hands off. You can't, you can't mess with her any longer. She belongs to me. Why is it that, that it's, wouldn't that make it just much easier and the reason is, is because God uses the devil. God uses the devil to do so many different things, but one of the things that God uses the devil to do is to test you. Whereas somebody might say, well, what kind of a sick God is that? Why would God use the devil that wants to kill, steal, and destroy? Why would he use him to test us? The reason why he uses it to test us is because a test is important just as much as a test is important, even more important than, than just not letting anybody into college. 
Not letting a fourth grader pass the fourth grade and, and enter into a master's program. Right? You've got to prove yourself to hold a certain, a certain position. You've got to, like if, if, if you were just given something, but you don't have the character to sustain that thing, then you're going to lose that thing rather quickly. And so everything that the devil uses to destroy you, God will use for good. Amen? See, the devil's out to kill, steal, and destroy, but God's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what his motivation is. If my people who are called by my name, if they'll keep their eyes on me, then listen, I'm going to take that hardship, I'm going to take that struggle, and I'm going to make it better. Amen? And I'm telling you that this is true. So he has the authority to accuse and to remind and all of these things and and I'm just saying this, that the sickness that you might be dealing with right now, it might not just be an attack from the devil. The sickness that you've got in your body right now, it might be a test. Come on, the loss of job might be a test. People that are leaving you and they don't want to walk in relationship with you any longer, it might be a test. So the question is, is like, listen, when there's a test, there's a right way to respond and a wrong way. There's a pass and there's a fail. So what are you going to do when the hardships come in life and some of you are dealing with them right now? And I'm telling you, it very well could be an attack from the devil, yes, but it also may be the very thing that God is going to use to test you. Every single time that there is a promotion, every single time that there's a breakthrough, every single time that there's an elevation, you better believe that there's going to be a test before you step into it. You better believe, you just better, you better just look for it. And it matters as to how you handle yourself. And sometimes people get stuck. Why do they get stuck? Because they failed to pass the tests. And so God will give some time and he'll nurture and he'll encourage and he'll equip and he'll give resources and he'll do all of these things. And then guess what? The test will come. And you'll either have a pass or a fail and if you fail, he'll nurture and he'll encourage and he'll give you resources and he'll speak his word. And then the test comes and then you'll pass it and then you'll have your breakthrough that you've been looking for. So you can't have a testimony without a test. And the miracle is often always on the other side of the problem. Like it wouldn't be a miracle unless there, unless there was an issue. God, we want to see more miracles. God, just shower us. Let us see the hand of God, the fire of God just move in our midst. But I don't want any trouble. Like just, just, you know what I mean? Let feathers fall from the sky in here right now. Let there be angel dust just, right? I don't want any troubles. Just let us know. I'm telling you that the miracle lies on the other side of the problem. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says this, Brethren, 
count it all joy when you fall into various trials, diverse trials. Why does it say fall? Because nobody is going to sign up for a trial. Nobody's going to say, I'll take a trial. No, we fall into them. It's like, man, I didn't really want this to be happening right now. Well, nobody would. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to go through a divorce. Nobody wants to, well, not some people want to go through a divorce, but <laughs> nobody wants to, you know what I mean, have bad things happen to them, right? But they fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, what are you going to do? What kind of faith are you going to exercise in the middle of the trial? The testing of your faith produces things like patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so I want you to know this, that the test always produces something. I was talking about last week that when I was a kid, man, we would, like if you would do something bad to your, 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 your friend, your brother, whatnot, and, and they owed you one, you, like it was just, all you had to do was say, that's, that's worthy of a free shot. You know what I mean? And you just, you just, you know, get ready and you tighten your stomach muscles or you, or you say, okay, I'll take it in the arm this time. And you get ready and you brace yourself. And a free shot is whenever they get to slug you because you deserve it. They get to hit you as hard as they can possibly hit you. Anybody else grow up like this? So what's wrong in the world? We need more, we need more. We need more free shots as kids and adults. Yeah, free shot. I'm taking it on the chin. But there's no free tests. There's no free tests whenever it comes to God and the devil. Like if, if, if the devil is given permission to mess with you, it's for a reason. And it's to produce something in your life. Satan takes Jesus to the top of a high mountain and he begins to show Jesus all things that are beautiful, all things that are desirable, all things, come on, that are, that are powerful. And Satan says, listen, I will give you everything that you, that you see if you'll do one thing and that's to bow down and worship me. And so the title of my message, once again, is what will it take? My question is this, what will it take for you to bow down and to worship Satan? What's it going to take? What's your number? What is it that you desire that you're willing to bow down and to worship him? See, listen, our greatest temptations don't come when we're up. Or I'm sorry, when we're down. A lot of times people, you know, they'll think, man, I just got this diagnosis of this sickness. And so now Satan's going to come and he's going to attack me while I'm weak. But I'm telling you this, that Satan doesn't attack you. Come on, when you're, when you're down in the valley, he attacks you whenever you're up on the mountaintop. See, Satan doesn't attack you when you've, when you've lost your job. Why is it that he doesn't attack us when we're down? Because he knows that that's the time that we're most prayerful. 
That's the time that we're, that we're pressing into God more than other times, right? You might be in the middle of a fast. You're like, listen, I don't have the answers. And so humanity is weird. Humans are weird. Like when we don't have the answer, we press into God like no other. So he's not going to set the trap, that golden trap, whenever you're down in the valley. He's going to set it after you've gotten the promotion, after you're thinking, you know what, wow, man, I have made it. So listen, you better be paying attention when something really good happens in your life. You better be on high alert because that's typically whenever the best traps are going to be laid for you. How many of you agree with what I'm saying? And so we've got, to be, we've got to be ready. The best traps are set in these mountaintop moments. Mountains also represent the end of a struggle or the end of a storm. Like God, you know, sent message to, to Noah. It's like, listen, I want you to build a boat. You know what I'm saying? It's going to rain. It's never rained before, but there's going to be this stuff called rain. We're going to flood the earth. And and I want you to build the boat and, and, and then I want you to put all the people and all the animals in the boat and, 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 and then all of a sudden the, the floodwaters came and, 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 and everybody else dies that's outside of the boat. But this is the deal. You knew, when the, you knew that the trouble was over when? When the boat came to rest on a mountaintop. And then all of a sudden they, they pop their head out and the waters continue to recede. And I'm just saying this, that mountains represent the end of a struggle or the end of a storm. See, there's a trap set, once again, not after the bad thing happens, but there's a trap set after the good thing happens. See, it's on the mountain that Moses encountered a burning bush. And God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver, come on, my people. And then Moses is like, really? That's so cool. And then all of a sudden, the tempter comes. The devil begins to plant, plant thoughts. Come on, after God says what he's already going to do. But yeah, what about your st 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 stuttering problem? Moses, who's going to follow you? Who's going to come and, and follow you? And so God says he's going to do this, but all of a sudden there's seeds of doubt in Moses' mind. And he's like, no, man, don't send me. I can't, I can't do it. Come on. That is, that is an attack on the mountaintop. One of the most close, powerful things that Moses has experienced, the burning bush moment See, some of us, we're just like, why doesn't God just give me? I'm, all, I'm always wondering, what should I do? And how do I know that this is God? God, just give me a burning bush moment. But how many of you know that the devil was present immediately on the mountaintop? Mountains represent vision. Go up here to Mount Harrison on a clear day, man. You can see for miles and miles and miles in a lot of different directions. Satan takes Jesus up, says, look, all that you see, everything that you see, it's yours as long as you just bow down and worship me. See, it's harder to compromise when you do not know what's available to you. But Jesus was tempted in all ways, all times, much harder than our temptation because everything was exposed to him. And Satan said, listen, all you have to do is one thing, and that's bow a knee to me, and you can have everything. 
See, the first temptation, he turns the stones into bread. The second temptation, he attacked Jesus's insecurity, which there was none, but you and I have insecurities. So if he's attacking Jesus in a certain way, he's gonna attack you and I in the same way. And then the third thing, we, we finally see what Satan is after. He's after our worship. And he says, listen, if you'll just give me your worship, I'll give you everything that you need. See, what will it take? Satan is saying, what will it take to get your worship? What's your price? What will you be willing to do? What do you want so badly that you will compromise your morals to get it? I remember when I was young and Mike Tyson was, was like, was like at the top of his game and, and we, would t- we would have conversations like this. It's like, man, for a million bucks, would you step in the ring with Mike Tyson? I was like, heck yeah, I would. I would just run the whole time. I would just run. I was a lot faster then than I am now. But we would have conversations like this because why? You're facing a man that could kill you in, in one punch. But what would it take? Like, like this, is the, this is really what that boils down to. Like, what's your price? What would you put your life on the line for in an effort to get? I'm telling you, you've had conversations like this. What would you, what would, you would throw away everything that makes sense just for a moment to get wealthy. Do you have a price? What's your price that you would say, God, I'm done with you. I'm worshiping Satan. What's your price? Would you lie? Some people are like, I'd lie for a lot less than that. (laughs) Would you cheat? I would cheat for a lot less than that. Would you steal? Would you deny Jesus? Time's coming. It's very possible. We see it happening in our world today, all over the world, that people... In Pakistan, I believe it was just recently, a, a man was, was given the opportunity to, to uh, deny Jesus and live or, or stand up for Jesus and die. And that man is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord right now. But what about you? Jay, what about you? All or nothing. Deny Jesus and live and I'll give you a heck of a good life, or profess Jesus as Lord and Savior and go see him real quick. What about you? What's your price? What would it cost? See, we speak of goals and dreams a lot, and goals and dreams are amazing, but I want you to know this, that your goals and your dreams are gonna be tested, because every goal and every dream is not divine. Hopefully many of them are, and, and, uh, and, and they're good, and they'll sustain and withstand the test. But Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says this, where there is no vision, people perish. Another version says that where, is there, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. And so listen, what's up? If you don't have a vision for your faith, you're going to cast off restraint. 
If you don't have a vision for your life in Christ, you're going to cast off restraint. You're going to say, oh, come on, that's, not, that's really not that big of a deal. I'm just going to go ahead and it's not going to really hurt anybody. And then all of a sudden you're casting off restraint. Proverbs 13, 12, talking about goals and visions as well. This says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And so check this out, when you have a dream that's not yet a reality, how many of you know that that can be hard? When you have a goal and you've got a desire, it's like you can, you can, you can almost taste it, you can almost feel it, but it's just outside of, of your reach. Like, 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 listen, I see the house and I see the kids and man, ever since I was just a little guy, man, all I've wanted to do is have a family of my own. Like I could see the house, I could see the kids, but I don't have a wife and I don't even have a prospect of a wife. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I see the business opportunity, I just wanna launch out, I've got the idea, but how in the world am I gonna raise the capital with all of these medical bills? See, it's hard when your vision and your reality are in two different zip codes. They're not even close to each other. At the age of 13, God gives Joseph this dream, and part of the dreams that Joseph is given is, is that his family, his very loved ones, at some point in the future are going to bow down and worship him. That's kind of a weird dream, but he shares this dream because it was a God-given dream. And then over the next 22 years, Joseph experiences the exact opposite. He doesn't experience any of the blessing, but he experiences all of the hardship. Right? None of the blessing, all of the hardship for 22 years. And then all of a sudden, we get to Psalm chapter 105, 19, which brings about the clarity as to why Joseph was going through what he went through for those 22 years. It says this, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, to fulfill Joseph's dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. 22 years, God was testing Joseph's character so that he could step into the fulfillment of the dream that God had given him. Why? Because if your character is not where it needs to be, God is not going to release you into what is promised. And so there is this growth, there's this testing, there's this maturing, and I'm just telling you, it keeps coming to my mind. I was told by Scott Jones years ago. He said, Travis, if you're given the opportunity to take the stairs or the elevator, take the stairs every time. And I'm telling you that that's not just you know what I mean? That's not just spiritually taking the spiritual stairs, but it would do us some good to stop taking the elevator physically as well. Do what is more difficult, what is, what is, what is less easy, less comfortable, because character is built in these places. I promise you, you have grown more spiritually in the hardships of time than you have in the good times. I promise you, it's God's nature. It's how it is that he 
grooms us, challenges us, grows us. Amen? So he's testing Joseph's character. Let me show you how the enemy comes. I want your attention just real quick, and then you can check back out just real quick. So when your vision and your reality are in two different zip codes, it's like you can, you can see it, you can smell it, you can taste it, but it's not in your, in your ability to grab hold of it. This is where the enemy comes. The enemy comes at this opportune time and says, I see what you want. I see what you want. And if you will do this one thing, if you will worship me, I'll give it all to you. See, the devil is an opportunist. And the devil is a liar. And the devil, come on, is, is, is somebody that will give you shortcuts to get where it is that you want to go. But I'm telling you, the last thing that you want is to take the shortcut. Satan says, all that you see, I'll give it. And Jesus didn't. What I think is interesting is Jesus didn't respond. You know what Jesus didn't say? He's looking out over and the devil's like, everything that you see, I'll give it to you. Prestige, power. Come on, all these beautiful things. It's all yours. Absolutely all yours. You know what Jesus' response wasn't? Jesus, I think it's interesting, didn't say, it's not yours to give. You know why? Because it is his to give. If you go back to Genesis, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, the Bible says that all dominion has been given to man. And then all of a sudden, Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit and they do all this stuff. Well, guess what? Dominion, come on, was transferred over to Satan. We go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And so he's the prince over popularity, influence, money, prestige. All of these things, these worldly desires. See, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say, you can't give that. Because he did have the ability. I'm telling you right now, there are people that you look at, come on, on television and, and in the entertainment business, and you're thinking, man, oh man, they have reached the pinnacle of success. But guess what? They didn't reach the pinnacle of success because they were successful. They reached it because they sold their soul to the devil. And I'm telling you, this is the world that we live in. People sell their souls to get what it is that they want. Selling your soul equals worship. And this is why you have some of these women and some of these men that have been raised in the church and then all of a sudden, they come out with some radical video that is worse than any other video that you've ever seen. But yet this is a person that at some point in time has professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? See, people are leveraging this very, and I wish I had I, I'd done this illustration. You guys have seen this illustration probably a hundred times, but give me a hundred foot rope up here, and then I put a little piece of red tape at the end of the rope, 
And that little piece of red tape, what it does is it identifies your 74 years as a man and 76 year average life as a woman in this life. And people will leverage this little thing called life to get whatever it is that they want. They'll sell their soul to the devil to get what they want now, but then all of eternity they spend in hell. And people are doing it all the time. People are doing it all the time. So my question to you is what will it take? What will it take for you to worship the devil? What will it take for you to bow a knee to him because he wants your worship? It's why he was kicked out of heaven in the first place. Nobody in this room, but there's probably a lot of people that would say, man, I would never do that, but they've already done it. Let me just ask you a couple of questions, not in this room, but online maybe. Do you own anything that doesn't give God glory? It's called idolatry. Have you left God? I'm gonna put you on pause, God, for a little bit of time because of what I'm fixing to do, I know that you don't support, you don't agree with it. I'm putting you on pause, I'm putting you in the corner, God. I'm gonna come back maybe, but I'm gonna go out and get what I need to get. I know that you're not for it, I know that you're absolutely against it, but I'm just gonna, you just go sit in the corner, God. And I'm gonna go pursue some things that I really need and I'm gonna gain some things in and through my own means. See, you may not have bowed a knee to Satan, but I'm telling you that that thing that you were able to acquire, right, God cannot get glory for it. That thing that was so, you had such, a, such an appetite for, like you've acquired it without God, and now God can't get the glory for it. Let me tell you like this, we all, I don't know of, uh, let, let me just back up. I've heard people say things like, I have had money and I have been very broke at times and I would rather have money. And so, so I think all of us would like to have a little bit of, a little bit more money or most people would like to have a little bit more resources, a little bit more means. But I'm telling you this, that when your wealth comes from God. When it comes from God, he desires to attach his greatness to it. And it testifies of his provision. And it's always, somebody say always. Somebody say always. Somebody say always. When your wealth comes from God, it always is tied, come on, to a purpose. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And so when we only see the destination, man, this is what I want, we fail to see God's design for it. And I'm just telling you this, some of you in this house right now are called kings, meaning that God has given you the ability come on to amass wealth. You see business opportunities. You have the finances to invest in business opportunities that 95% of the rest of us would walk by if we were if we were if if we walked by it 100 times we wouldn't see it. You walk by it one time, you see it and you're ready come on to jump on it. But let me tell you something. 
This is to the kings of the house. If you think that amassing the wealth is just so that you can enjoy life a little bit better, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life a little bit better, but you better have, come on, some divine purpose behind the wealth, come on, that God has given you the ability. You're not smart enough. You, you, you may have went to a great college, but what you're dealing with is a gift from God that, that he says, listen, I'm going to use you as a king. I'm a priest. He uses you as a king. I'm going to use you as a king to advance what? A king is always interested in advancing the kingdom of God. And so we have some kings in the house, and I'm just challenging you. Queens in the house, I'm challenging you. You better have a divine reason for the wealth that God has given you the ability to amass. You know what I'm saying? That's to get people into heaven. If you don't know what kind of vision I'm talking about. Like, like he, he desires that none would perish and all, come on, would be saved. It's to build buildings. It's to support missions. It's to plant churches, right? It's to help the captives become free. I could give you a list as long as my arm, but there's a reason, there's divine reasons as to why God has given you the gift, come on, to do business and to do business well. So an idolatry test. I gotta hurry up just real quick. Idolatry test, are you ready? Do you have an idol? Let's give ourselves a test. No looking around, just answer these questions to yourself. Did I compromise my morals to get it? Am I willing to step on, lie to, or manipulate others, to, or am I willing to compromise conviction to get it? Is joy deferred until I get it? Man, is, I'm not gonna be really happy until I make $100,000. I'm not gonna be really happy until I, until I buy that house on the river. I'm not gonna really, really be happy like joy is deferred until I'm able to get married. So this is the deal is, is you know that there's an idol that you're dealing with if joy is deferred until this thing happens. It's like I'm just not gonna be fulfilled until this thing happens. Ooh, I'm speaking to somebody right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm telling you, joy deferred. Because some of you have said things just like that. Man, I'll really be able to start living whenever this, ba 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 ba. You're wasting your life until ba 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 ba. You know what I'm saying? Is the joy of the Lord your strength or is success your strength? Oh, goodness. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's fun. This is fun. So make sure the thing that you desire to own doesn't already own you. So what do I do if that's my reality? What do I do if, Travis, you've spoken to me and I'm seeing some error come on in my thoughts and my ways? I'm just telling you, it's so simple. Like I'm leaving you with such a simple, wonderful solution, and that is to bring Jesus into the center. There's a song that says, Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. 
Jesus. Like if Jesus isn't the center of whatever it is that you're wrestling with right now, the solution is simply to make him the center. Amen? If he's not the center, make him the center. Like you can have goals and dreams that you've set for your life way before Jesus was even a part of your life, and that's okay. Just bring Jesus into the center. Let me mess you up just a little bit. Some of you were married. Jesus didn't have anything to do with your marriage. Matter of fact, if there was something to be done wrong, you did it twice wrong. And this is what I'm saying, you're married now. Boy, is pastor saying just get rid of the things of Jesus? No, put Jesus into the center. And I'm telling you what, whatever you bring Jesus into the center of in the middle of, that thing always gets better. Amen? Is there more than six that believe that? I'm telling you this morning that if he's not at the center of whatever it is that he needs to be at the center of, then bring him into the middle. I think it's interesting. Moses is on the edge of the promised land. Now listen, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God had, there had been prophecies that God's people were going to enter into the land of Canaan. And so Moses is sitting on the edge and God basically says to Moses, go get it, it's yours, it's absolutely, you just go have it. And, and Moses is like, listen, and this is found in Exodus chapter 33, basically verse 15, he says, listen, I'm not going unless you go with us. So what he's saying is, is that like, listen, I don't care how good it is. If you're not going to be a part of it, if you're not going to be in the middle of it, I don't want it. I don't want it. The problem is, and I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to close with this. The problem is that most of the things that we desire and even the things that God desires for us to have, like they're blessed, they're called good, right? Most of those things are on the other side of death. <laughs> like you gotta die to get it. Abraham, old age, desiring a son, promised a son, Old man, old, old, old man. Older than anybody here. Finally gets the promised son. Finally. And then God says, now I want you to take him up on the, where did he go? Where are the biggest tests? <laughs> Not when things are bad, but when things are good. Now I want you to kill your son that I just gave you. What was God doing? He was saying, listen, is this boy an idol? Is this boy more important to you than I am? Hardest thing probably a father had to do. But at the moment that Abram lifted the knife above his head, God stayed his hand. He stopped him. And he said, okay, that was a test but it was on the other side. The miracle is on the other side of being willing to kill that dream, to kill that goal. So what are you saying, pastor? Are you saying that the goals and the dreams and the desires that I want, that I just have to squash those? I have to, I can't, those are not gonna happen? Maybe, but probably not. 
God's probably still going to fulfill those things, but only if you are willing to let them go. See, the idea is saying, listen, God, I want every single thing that you have for me on one condition, that you bless it and you're in the middle of it. Because if, you, if you're not gonna do that, then don't take me up from this place. I wanna go where your spirit is. And as good as this seems, without you, it's nothing. It's gonna be like everything else. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You have, you, have, you have achieved and acquired that thing that you so desired, thinking that this is finally gonna be the thing that just makes me feel important. It's gonna make me feel adequate. And then all of the sudden, next thing you know, you got buyer's remorse. Thinking, wow, that really wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. It really didn't open the doors that I thought it was gonna open. It made me feel good for a minute, but now I've got this monthly payment for the next 10 years. People are financing their vehicles for 10 years now. God help us. Please make better financial decisions. Let's get back to driving older vehicles if we have to. My God, something has to change. We cannot walk in the fullness of God if we're making stupid financial decisions. I like nice vehicles too, but let's buy something that we can afford and we don't have to leverage the rest of our life paying for just so that we can look okay to everybody else, amen? That's all I got, folks. So, listen. I want your attention just for a second. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're here this morning and you're like, wow, I really, something's happening in my life, in my heart right now. Like, I need to know that I'm saved. I, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus and he's not, you don't know if you're saved or if you don't know in your, if you're in relationship with him, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So the Bible says that, how do we come into a relationship? We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's in response. It's not just people saying, yeah, yeah I believe in God. It's in response to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So the Holy Spirit is moving in this place and it, it might just be just a confirmation that the things that this guy up there is talking about are true. And I do love you and I care for you and I, I, have, I have great things planned for you and in store for you and I want to spend eternity with you and like if you if you don't know if you're saved I just want to ask real quick and I want you to put your hands in the where in the air not ashamed but boldly put your hand in the air if you don't know you're saved and you want to be saved today I want to pray with you if that's you go ahead and just raise your hand just real quick anybody anybody yes sir thank you so much anybody else up top anybody okay awesome all right, this is what I want to do. Let's everybody stand to our feet just real quick. Sir, I would just want you to make this prayer personal, okay? And if anybody else, you've been pursuing other things, and God's not been first in your life, this is a great time just to ask God to forgive you too, amen? So Lord, we thank you so much for today. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross for me. It's a beautiful gift a gift of life. You died so that I could live. And Lord, right now I ask you to come into my life. 
And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. That means forgive me and forget. Your word says that you throw my sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against me again. I'm asking you, Lord, that you not only forgive me of my sins, but fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit of God that helps me to walk above and not beneath. It helps me to walk in power and might and victory. God, over these next few years and throughout the rest of my life, Lord, I ask that you change me into your image. That means change my heart, change my mind. The things that, are, that I've thought about and I think about from time to time that are displeasing, Lord, help me to overcome those things and renew my mind, wash me and make me new. And Lord, last thing I want to do is I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for loving me so well. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. You know, we know you did it for the multitudes, but just like we shared, you leave the 99 sheep that are just fine and you go after the one that is in need of you. And Lord, I just, I know that everything that you do is moved by love. Thank you for loving us so well. And thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us. We love you. We bless you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.